1: Today's episode of the Chase Us Podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Ponko Chicken. Ponko Chicken, if you did not already know, is a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine. Uh, there are stores, if you're not familiar, um, all around the Atlanta area. Uh, there's one in Marietta now. There's one in Buckhead. There's one in Chamblee. There's one in uh, Midtown. They're popping up everywhere because Ponko is awesome and uh, they're like family, so um go check out Ponko if you have not already. It is the home of the award winning Japanese American chicken tender, just to brag on them a little bit more. They were Verizon Super Bowl Live top selling vendor, three-peat Taste of Atlanta Award winner, um, uh, Midtown Alliance Best Taste winner. Just they won all the awards because Ponko is great and Ponko is delicious. So if you are in the Atlanta area and are looking to try something new and good and delicious, Go check out Ponco Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. Uh, also, if you have not already, go check out chase Thomas Podcast.com. It's where all of my episodes to all of my podcasts are, all of my writing that I do, uh, more information on me and who I am, um, and why you should be listening to this podcast and reading my work and all of that great stuff. Go do that. Go to Chase Thomas Podcast today. If you're an Apple podcast listener, go ahead and leave me five stars and a rating and a review. That's great. I need it. Um, It helps the show continue to grow and all of that good stuff. Um, You can listen on SoundCloud, Spotify, like I said, Apple, Google Play, everywhere where you can get your podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast will be there. So go do that today. Um, All right. I think that's everything. We can get into today's episode. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, <laughs> my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already
0: hate it. I hate it.
1: All right. Hello, and welcome to a Monday morning edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. I'm on allergy medication now, which is nice because, you know, waking up, not being able to breathe for several days, it gets old fast, but uh, we're making progress and um, the Kansas City Chiefs are also making progress because they won their second super bowl title in 50 years last night patrick mahomes youngest super bowl mvp ever a lot happened last night and to kind of parse through everything that happened in the super bowl in miami last night uh is blake murphy blake good morning how are you doing
0: good Chase. how are you sorry that you're not feeling as well
1: it's okay it's okay it's not a real problem i i just i don't i i've never had allergies and i I used to get sinus infections all the time when I was a kid, and uh, I don't know. It's just been very annoying, because I thought it was the cold for a little bit, and then I was like, no, I don't really think these are cold stuff, and I had the flu a month ago. It's just been a very uh, sickly winter, which is uncharacteristic for me, so I don't know. It's it's fine. I, I appreciate your concern, though, but it is it is okay. I am podcasting. It is it is fine, Um, unlike... What's going on in the 49ers uh, organization this morning? Things are fine here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you can say that it's rough to see. I think the biggest storyline that people are cement a legacy there. On the other hand, uh, you kind of also end up seeing the unfortunate unfortunate storyline of Kyle Shanahan yet again uh, blowing a Super Bowl lead where he's been the offensive coordinator or uh, you know, whether it's for the Falcons or even the head coach and coordinator for the Niners. It's just very interesting to see, just because, like you said, you'd rather have a guy like Kyle and get there, but you'd also rather win the title. And now he's going to have a lot of questions, I think, in this offseason about uh, the plays that he called, about Garoppolo's play down the pitch. And ultimately, the NFL was a winner because they had a superstar quarterback in the homes delivered on the big stage, like how a lot of people wanted it to happen.
1: The shanahan play calling stuff um is is complicated because um, they obviously had like a 97 percent win expectancy or 77 percent um uh, when they were up 20 to 10 it obviously wasn't 20 to three um it was it wasn't that level of bad blowing it but um, the Chiefs also scoring three touchdowns in five minutes um will probably be forgotten uh it'll be more about like shanahan calling pass plays but Bill Barnwell on ESPN.com wrote a really good piece outlining um, how this game was won. The defining plays: the third and fifteen from Patrick Mahomes to Terry Kill, which was the exact same play they called at a third and fifteen in the AFC Championship game last year against the Pats. That worked. Um, mm-hmm. it, yeah, he was going through it, and he's like, "If you look play by play um, in the fourth quarter with what they called, Garoppolo missed um, a huge third and 10, uh, to to Manuel Sanders that would have won the game would have clinched it. Um, he just missed him, and then there was another play where he missed George Kittle. He didn't see him in his read on third down, and he went. Uh, oh, I think he went out on a corner route, and uh, Bourne went in on a curl, and it was just miscommunication. Those play calls and a lot of the stuff that he was actually calling worked, and they did a lot of stuff to Kittle over the in weird sets out of the right-hand side of the field. Like, it, if you go play-by-play, it was like, these weren't terrible play calls. Like, a lot of it was just Garoppolo missed or, um I don't know, like, the power run games. Like, second and nine is not going to work because it got stuffed on one of those drives where you start off there and running on second and nine has been proven to be not a great strategy, especially on that second and nine where, like, the Chiefs stacked the box with, like, eight people in there. And it's like, that wouldn't have right. worked anything. Like, it's just... I feel like it's lazy to go at Kyle Shanahan's play calling in the fourth quarter because I think a lot of it is just Mahomes was insane, even when they got pressure. Like, I think Nick Bosa had 12 or 13 pressures in this game, which would have tied uh, the most of any uh, pass rusher this season in a single game. Like, they got after, they got home um, on Patrick Mahomes a bunch, but he had a better QBR in this game um, when they got there than him just sitting in the pocket. He threw his two picks when he didn't have pressure. He threw it just right into one guy's uh, at just hands. I forgot who it was. more or whoever it was. Um, it it just, I don't know. I think there were so many different things that go into this game, but people are going to focus on the Shanahan um, collapse stuff, and it sucks, especially for Shanahan. If you read yeah. what's well, about Kittle and guys like that in the locker room, it's, I, I can't imagine what it's been like for him.
0: Yeah, and I agree with you that that's, uh, in a lot of ways, almost a, maybe you could even say false narrative with Shanahan because, you know, you can take a look back to, like even said, the kind of game-clinching play with Garoppolo missing Sanders for that long touchdown that they had. Um, you could even take a look at, uh, and this is what a lot of people have broken down with Jimmy G, is it felt like throughout most of the playoffs, because of using the runs with the boots, with all of that, it was almost like Shanahan, not that he didn't trust his quarterback, but to the level of... It's more that he just had Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. He did not have Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. You can't really treat Garoppolo like he is Mahomes. And when it did come down into that clutch situation, there's a couple of plays I think that stuck out. One to me was on that Sanders play. It's 3rd and 10 and he goes for the long ball. There's a couple of guys who are there right at the sticks even if you're talking about, you know, wanting to make a deep shot to end it, there's also the possibility of just being able to kind of have a guy hit on a comeback route. You're going to go for it on fourth down no matter what. It was just the idea of when it came down to the situational football, you ended up seeing that even though there were several struggles, like you said earlier in the game with Mahomes, where there wasn't pressure or there wasn't, um, you know, there was good plays made against a great defense. When it came down to what the situation ultimately decided, it was Mahomes was able to make those plays, whether it was with the accuracy or even with picking up some of the yards with his legs. And Garoppolo, it was like, not that it, they cracked under pressure, but there were plays that he just left out on the field that he would just probably want to take back and be able to gear up for next year. And I think it's just one of those cases of when you've got a great team and a great quarterback. Ultimately, the great quarterback is usually the one who's going to end up winning out. And we've seen that over the last few years, I think at least um, in the in the NFL, uh, especially when it comes to a absolute freak like, uh, like Pat Mahomes is.
1: Yeah, and I think that's right. And I think that was something I um, underestimated going into this game because I did pick the 49ers to win. And my thought process was that I, I really did believe that they would be able to establish their identity more so than the Chiefs would be able to do what they want to do. And for three quarters, that's what happened. Like when they were up 20 to 10, I was just, I, I felt very confident and I felt very certain that like this was the kind of thing that they could do because also I just didn't really trust this Chiefs defense. And I. It, it was just wild to me that Jimmy Garoppolo, um, kind of folded the way he did in the fourth quarter. Like, it, the questions surrounding Jimmy G going forward are interesting because it felt very Kirk Cousins-y where if everything is perfect, the offensive line's moving, um, the running game is averaging six yards to carry, which they were in this game. If the if you're not playing from behind, if you're not getting just out of whack offensively, then you're fine. But when the pass rush got home on Garoppolo yesterday, um he completed one of his nine passes uh for 20 yards and two interceptions. Like that was difference maker because Mahomes they got to Mahomes and Mahomes didn't care and Mahomes was better there. They got to Garoppolo and when they did get to Garoppolo he just he couldn't do it. There was also though another game changing play where there should have been a roughing the passer call. Where like he gets hit in the face and the refs just miss it. Like that that was on third down. And if they call that, who knows? Like that's another like it, it that is the one similarity to the Falcons Patriots game to me is that there were certain things where it's like if that one thing happens, all the other stuff is forgotten because ultimately their win expectancy was so strong that they this other team needed so many different things to hit the way that it did. If the Sanders catch happens, if he uh, Garoppolo sees Kittle right over the middle on the third down, that ends the game. Like There's just so many things where it's like one of those things just needed to happen for the 49ers to still win that game because the Chiefs needed to score two touchdowns in less than five minutes, and then they got the third one, obviously, Damien Williams. But it was just yep. an unfortunate series of events um, for the 49ers. But um, Garoppolo not doing well under pressure the way he did if I'm a Niners fan, I'm quite concerned about that going forward.
0: Yeah, especially because you have hope that you're going to be able to make it back. Uh, if you are the Niners to another Super Bowl, while you still have this defense to take advantage of. And you're going to be losing a couple of these players in free agency or having to resign guys. And if you're looking at Jimmy Garoppolo um, in that last performance, what will kind of stick out to you? Like you said, is it was almost a Kirk Cousins-esque type performance in a lot of ways where, it's not going to be an easy trek to get back in the NFC. You've got a tough uh, NFC West division. You've got, you know, probably Drew Brees back for another year. You've got all sorts of shifts that are happening. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. The way that the Niners are able to get to the Super Bowl this year, essentially everything's set up for them super well with uh, their defense being able to have all their games at home. Uh, if I'm a Niners fan, I'm looking at that game ultimately, and there's going to be a lot of questions. I think people will have of Is Jimmy G one of those guys who you're talking about for the next, you know, seven, eight years with the Niners? Or are we talking about this being kind of a two to three year window on the team? Ultimately, uh, kind of in a lot of ways, maybe mirroring the Kansas City Chiefs and having to move on to a different quarterback in order to see some sustained success. The Chiefs moving on from Alex Smith to Pat Mahomes. Uh, What I did want to touch on that I thought was interesting, what you talked about was uh, the Niners playing their game, the Chiefs playing their game. It wasn't until late that we got to see a couple of big plays from Tyreek Hill. But to me, the underrated uh, kind of, I guess, pair of MVPs in some cases were with a couple of great catches from Sammy Watkins that kind of sparked uh, the team alive. But Damian yeah. Williams had 133 total yards It's uh, to 104 on the ground. A lot of that came from that last touchdown play, obviously. But 20, uh, 29 yards on four catches as well, including a touchdown there. He is kind of the unsung hero in a lot of cases because him being able to be effective against a really you know, ferocious Niners defense, it took a lot of pressure, I think, off of Mahomes where he was able to still make plays happen. And like we saw again with that touchdown at the end to ice it. Um, and that's, you know, almost kind of on the opposite side. You see Raheem Mostert, <laughs> who has this, you know floated around to three or four teams before the Niners. And he ends up being the guy who's their workhorse back overall in the Super Bowl. We just kind of seeing this new era in the NFL where run games are essentially you got players who can perform and make plays. When you're not seeing, you know, you don't have to have an Adrian Peterson to make the Super Bowl anymore. You just need to have a guy who's got a hot hand. And for that game, Damian Williams is the guy who had the hot hand. And as a result, I think that he did just enough in that game where he was able to kind of send the Chiefs to well, not just that comeback, but. To be able to uh, run off some of that clock. And then, like we said about that key play in the end, he all but sealed it for Kansas City.
1: In the course of 12 offensive plays, the Chiefs went from trailing 20 to 10 with a win expectancy of 3.9% to leading 24 to 20 with a win expectancy of 77.7%. That's, <laughs> that's from Barnwell. Like, that's insane. That's-
0: yeah, and what's crazier about it is that the Chiefs, and I think I saw the stat this morning, too, where the Chiefs did that by overcoming double-digit uh, deficits in all three of their playoff games. Yeah, it wasn't just the Super Bowl. It was that it was against the Texans where they are down 24-0. They were down, I believe, 17-7 to the Titans as well. And then they were down 20-10 to to the Niners. So that comeback level is just incredible to see. You know, people will talk about, you know, momentum, people talk about, like, did the defense, like, start giving up? However you want to look at it, just the fact of that they were such an explosive offense that none of those point deficits really mattered in the end, it is going to be, I think, something that's going to be kind of a crazy look for the NFL as it kind of starts to move toward this arena football scoring points uh, type of uh, offense where the efficiency is just going to be insane within – uh, you know these small amounts of minutes. I'm I'm very much I think um, excited for um, the fact that we were able to see two teams in the Super Bowl. One that got there by defense, kind of the old school football mentality, and one that did get there with all this kind of new football, its analytics. Um, it, it's still crazy to see a lot of it. You kind of have to at least put on a, a player like Mahomes, who uh, essentially since he's come into the league, he's probably been I think the biggest story that you can really talk about. Uh, even during that rookie season, him sitting on the sideline was something that was unusual and rare. And um, it'll it'll be something, I think, that people, when they talk about or look back at the Super Bowl, I don't think that they'll remember it so much as a collapse, so much as they'll just remember the, the greatness of Mahomes throughout that entire postseason. Uh, Bucky Brooks pointed out, Kurt Warner only had, I think, two games out of the 46 he played in where they were down by double digits and he still managed to win the game. That's nuts what you think about that some of the yeah. all-time greats have not done what Mahomes has managed to do.
1: Yeah, um it it it's wild. And well, you're uh, being a Cardinals guy, you got to experience the Kurt Warner's uh post uh post Rams run um right there at the end in Arizona and uh what happened with Pittsburgh, which was another um, unfortunate one where the memory is uh James Harrison running 99 yards down the field um, for a touchdown I know you don't want to yeah. re- revisit that I was going to say Bowl yeah the
0: poor NFC West fans if you look at the last decade everyone's had some sort of crushing Super Bowl lost in that division but it's also the only division that's seen all four of their teams I believe go and visit a Super Bowl in that regard so that's something that's been kind of interesting and crazy to see as we've talked about you know the dominance of the Patriots in one division and then in the NFC, outside of you know the Saints or the Packers, kind of taking a trip there, and then the Eagles Super Bowl, it's really been kind of one division that has essentially been. And I know it's it's fascinating to watch with a lot of the NFL, especially as we've seen kind of these rises and then falls that we'll see at least for that. This is the second time the Niners have had kind of their rise and their fall in their last two Super Bowl losses, and um, be very curious to see what the future holds for a lot of these teams because the AFC year talking about the great cornerbacks and the NFC, you're just kind of talking about the uh, all of these teams rising and falling in with the Patriots seemingly maybe, a, you know, hoping to hope, at least they're a little bit on the out. It's potentially got the range for an, a new NFL to take over, and I'll be curious if that's going to be Mahomes and the Chiefs who kind of take that spot and or if it's going to just end up being, you know, this is the first start of a, a career for Patrick Mahomes where we're always wondering when he's, going to get back to that next Super Bowl, you, you just never know. Even some of the all-time greats, whether it's Rodgers, Marino, uh, sometimes you just you never get back there. You always think they're going to be about to have a dynasty, but this is a league that spits everyone up and chews everyone out, as we've seen just within that one NFC West division alone, much less the rest of the NFL.
1: Yeah, I think if you're a Chiefs fan, you have to feel really good because when you think about who is more likely to get back to the Super Bowl next year, um, the answer I think is quite clearly the chiefs because i i often think about like just the afc's history over the last 20 years it's basically just been if you have a great quarterback in the afc you're going to get a couple of super Bowl opportunities big ben and the steelers peyton manning and the colts peyton manning and the broncos and then you had obviously tom brady but it's been the same small collection of guys and you figured andrew luck if he had kept playing would be in that group at some point but um i think the chiefs stand um, to be in a good position to be that next team in the AFC that's just in the Super Bowl every three years. And that is a very good feeling for the Chiefs and um, very um, new feeling because the Trent Green days are in the Tyler Thigpen days are quite behind them now. So um, good for them. Their fans uh, were out in full force yesterday and yeah. all of that. And, and, yeah.
0: As I say, I'm good for Andy Reid in a lot yeah. of cases. I've, Think that when you're a longtime coach, as he is with the winning percentage, and even the fact that that you know he didn't have a great exit from Philly, he ended up learning a lot. It seems from that, uh, it's almost kind of a lot of people, and this is one thing I felt as well. Not that he wouldn't have gotten into the Hall of Fame, but the, the Super Bowl win at least kind of in a lot of ways cements some of his legacy. Like if Andy Reid came out and said, "Hey, I'm retiring," like after the Super Bowl win right now, he would. Probably end up being a lock with the Super Bowl. Whereas if he, you know, lost the Super Bowl to the Niners, retires today, a lot of people would kind of it'd be up for debate. I think that at least by being able to go out and cement this, uh, it, it does at least do a lot for that type of candidacy for the most part. And you know, he's a he's a good guy. You always gotta love another guy who loves his barbecue and his macaroni and cheese the way that he does, and is very at least um, just been one of those class acts from his time in the league. Um, when you talk about legacy and for how that works, that there's a lot, I think that can be said for, um, the yeah, there's a lot worse guys, I think, who, um, have gotten to that stage that he hasn't. So props to, uh, to him and props also to the chiefs fans who are able to, um, you know, have <laughs> put up for all those losing years for all that time in a row.
1: Yeah. Um, and back to the NFC West for a second, because like, obviously that's a division you're very familiar with and they're, um, I just think about different divisions across the NFL and where they're going to go and where teams are going to rise, where teams are going to fall. Um, I think the Cardinals are on an upward trajectory right now. I'm a big Kyler Murray guy. And you think about the Jimmy G contract and how team friendly it is and how the 49ers, if they look at this game and they go, um, he's not our guy. He's still a good stopgap, but we need to keep looking to upgrade, um, this QB position. And, I can understand that perspective and I wouldn't be surprised if John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan look to do that. Um, but then you think about like, okay, Russell's not going anywhere. They're going to have a winning record every year that he plays 16 games for the foreseeable future. Just that's what Russell Wilson does. And then you have Jared Goff and Sean McVeigh, who they are tied at the hip now with the contract that Goff got. It was not a garoppolo S contract. So he is going to be their quarterback for the foreseeable future. And then you look at Kyler and where they are in theirs and you're like, wow, could the 49ers be the one team that like just goes through a weird transition where like their quarterback and they were just in the Super Bowl is the one not on this roster in two years. And we're asking far more questions about where the 49ers are than the rest of the division because the rest of the division kind of has it, it, everything's more certain, um, I think, across the board uh, in the NFC West. Is that a fair um is that a fair assessment for the NFC West right now?
0: Well, yeah, I think definitely is, and as we've seen, um, even the Jared Goff contract, we've seen some teams been able to move off of those if they've needed to. Uh, again, it doesn't feel like that 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 discussion is probably for about maybe two or three years um, down the road, potentially at least. But it does at least feel like when you're talking about the caliber of what you're paying a quarterback for the production that you're getting out of them. Um Jared Goff was at least in the Super Bowl and was putting up uh, really, really solid stats last year up until the point where uh, I, I think it seems like against that game against the Bears, ultimately, where um, it just seemed like that they got a bit shell-shocked and have maybe not like fully recovered. But they haven't looked like a dominant team so much as looking like an 8-8 team, but not like he's been bad or you're talking about you know, that the team has to move on from him now. What you're really just looking at is that with Wilson and Murray in the division what they paid golf, the production level, at least for the most part, seems like it's higher than what they've been getting for what they're paying for Garoppolo. And when you're talking about some of the advantage, we've seen teams like the Kansas city chiefs uh, take with these rookie quarterback contracts where they don't have to pay a guy until, you know, four or five years into their deal and they can build a team around them. It does really feel like the Niners are a team that if they want to keep some of those, players on defense and be able to make the best use of it. Uh, maybe that is a route that they could go down, or maybe we're talking about in a year or two that, you know, uh, Kyle Shanahan, part of the reason he even shared before the Super Bowl, they did not go after Patrick Mahomes was they were pretty much convinced that they were going to get Kirk Cousins as his quarterback in a year. He'd work with them in Washington. That was kind of his guy. I don't think that is to say that he is going to go and get Kirk, but I think it just shows that he has a type and there's relationships that he has established with players, and it's going to probably take at least um, a little bit of time to move off one of those type of relationships, as we've seen. If he can get to a Super Bowl with Garoppolo, um, I don't think it's going to be one of those cases where you necessarily need to say, hey, we need to move on like immediately. But like we just talked about, the Chiefs just got a Super Bowl by moving off of Alex Smith, finding an upgrade yep. at a young quarterback. And to me, it would behoove the Niners very much so to say, hey, we've got one more year, maybe a shot at this. Maybe they're one of those sneaky teams that if you could find a guy that you like, at least enough who falls, but that would be my approach, honestly, it would just be to Hey, if that's the best deal you've got in sports, you see what just happened on the other sideline in that Super Bowl. I would definitely think at least you'd want to be able to go ahead and make finding that young stud quarterback, Um, because it is a new NFL and the guys who are (laughs) not winning Super Bowls are not these, you know, 37 year olds outside of Tom Brady. It's these young 24, 25 year old guys who are getting to the big game and ultimately are developed enough now through college to deliver in the clutch
1: last thing and then we'll go here um where do you see the cardinals next year what is your expectations right now before the draft and before everything else what what do we think is in store for arizona in regards to the rest of the nfc west next year
0: gosh it's tough because not only is it a tough nfc west but you're looking at some of the quarterbacks who in their year two have gone out and had some amazing MVP caliber seasons. You think of Carson Wentz, you look at Mahomes' second season, obviously he's in a class all of his own. Um, You look at Lamar Jackson recently, uh, you'd expect that the Cards would take a step up next year, but the one difference between them and a lot of those other teams is uh, most of those teams were either playoff teams before those quarterbacks took an extra step up. And the Cardinals this year, after a six-game losing streak, they ended up showing a little bit to take a step forward it's hard to be able to say that they're going to be able to be one of those dominant teams unless they can have a a very solid or perfect offseason or unless Murray can push them up a little bit. I think you're probably looking at double-digit wins as being the goal. I think that might be about where they'll settle if you assume that the Rams may end up having to figure out how they're going to manage all of their contracts. But I don't know if it's going to be that same type of explosion that we've seen from other quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson or somewhere you're talking about a 13 win season. The team ultimately was at the number one overall pick, um, you know, just last year. And they have lifted up from about 32nd or so on offense to probably about the mid twenties. They can pull up next year as a top 10 offense and improve enough on defense. Um, they'll be able to make it, but uh, the one thing that I will be very curious to watch obviously is, you know, even late this year, Murray took a team that was empty and made them at least a weekly in and out threat. So I think that would be, if you're talking about a challenger for maybe not going worst to first, but a team that's able to be a big threat, um, the Cardinals would be a team that a lot of people are going to be probably betting on the over for in Vegas, as far as the win total goes for next year, just for a lot of those facts that we've seen.
1: All right, well, this has been great, Blake. I appreciate the time early this morning because you are on the West Coast. You're, people don't know you're doing this quite early and you're very <laughs> cognizant of everything. Uh, that Everything was good. So I appreciate uh, the time this morning. Is there anything we should check out from you from Revenge of the Birds or the podcast that you do this week?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, this week we're now kind of moving into more of the off-season mode, which has been um, one of the things that we always love to talk about, at least in our podcast. The draft is something that we at least, uh, not as a main focus, but being able to break it down, there's a lot of draft nicks out there who like to be able to talk about all that. So uh, I am the co-host of the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Uh, we try to bring on a lot of both team and other perspectives. This week we'll be doing our NFC breakdown. We just finished up our AFC uh, team-by-team breakdown last week. We'll be doing the NFC upcoming this week so you can look forward to that if you want to check us out otherwise I'll be online there as part of the SB Nation sites
1: never log off Blake
0: <laughs> uh, people who asked me to log off for all of that so I'm just keeping stay log on for the haters as
1: they say right absolutely absolutely Blake thank you so much and I will talk to you soon appreciate you having me on Chase all right that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast thank you uh, to the wonderful guests for coming on today's show thank you uh, to my wonderful listeners for listening to today's episode. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. Um, if you like today's episode, leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple. It would be great. Um, it helps the show continue to grow, and I would very much appreciate it. Uh, you can also support the show on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Um, for as little as $5 a month, it helps the show keep the lights on. So that would be a great help to me as well. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at chase double underscore Thomas. You could go to chase Thomas which has all of my stuff, all my episodes ever, um, links to everything that you need. Um, and all of my writing that, uh, I'm doing fairly often these days, um, on the NFL, on NBA, on college football, on pro wrestling. I write about everything. I write a lot. Um, so go read me on that front. So if you're not tired of listening to me, you can also read me. Um, so that's awesome. But, uh, I think that's enough self-promotion from me for one episode. Uh, I hope you continue listening. That would be great. And uh, I will talk to you all again very soon. Thanks, guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast.
0: Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard. Roberto Duran.